0: Did you know that a single shisha session typically lasting 45 minutes to one hour is equivalent to smoking a staggering 100 cigarettes?
1: Did you also know that a single pod of certain popular e-cigarette brands can contain as much nicotine as an entire packet of traditional cigarettes?
0: Let that reality sink in as we liberate ourselves from the engulfing cloud of smoke.
1: Brace yourself for the Shisha No Thanks on Air to mfm media campaign proudly supported by the Cancer Institute of New South Wales.
0: In this groundbreaking series, we present five captivating episodes aiming to raise awareness about the potential dangers of shisha smoking and promote healthier choices among culturally diverse communities in New South Wales.
1: Our interviews feature an exceptional lineup of experts, including dentists, professors, lecturers and industry professionals.
0: They'll enlighten us on critical topics like the potential impact of shisha and vaping on youth, pregnant women and oral health.
1: So together, let's clear the air and pave the way for a healthier generation with 2 FM's Shisha No Thanks radio series commencing on the 26th to the 30th of June at quarter past three. My name is Shaquille and on today's show we will be speaking with Alicia Brooks, a Manager of Tobacco Control at Cancer Council New South Wales. Alicia has extensive experience in tobacco control and specifically in working towards decreasing vape use. We will benefit from her knowledge today through discussing how teenagers of today are smoking. Specifically, we will explore how accessible vapes are, the factors that influence youth smoking and the harms that are associated with vaping. So Alicia, let's get straight into it. To what extent are young people exposed to vaping?
2: Thanks for having me on um, look they are ex- the extent to they are exposed to it is quite huge at the moment. We're seeing rates of around 30 percent of young people using vape, vape devices and so when you've got such a large cohort using them, then they obviously see them quite a bit um, around them as well and so that all contributes to their normalizing the use of behavior among young people. I yeah. think you know, we've, the research that we've um, recently done has shown that you know, upwards of 80% of them think that it's really easy to get access to these products and that's you know, one of the larger drivers of this as well because they just see them everywhere, whether it's in um, you know, the corner store or in um, the schoolyard, they're, they're coming across it quite often and so that's driving use.
1: Now, I've seen the fruity flavours and the colourful packaging that comes along with vapes you buy these days. Do these factors influence vape smoking over other forms of smoking, and what other factors contribute to the rise in vape?
2: Yeah, no worries. They um, definitely these. When you look at these products, they are definitely designed for young people. They're, as you said, brightly coloured. They come in really. Um, Fun designs, you know, I've even seen the, the shape of a teddy bear, for example. It might be something that you'd see um, hanging off a teenager's bag, for example. So I think that the design of the device themselves is really appealing to young people in combination with the fact that they are flavoured and, you know, they're called things like the names of the unicorn um flavored or bubblegum or Hubba Bubba. So it even uses, um, you know, generic um, brand names that they're all familiar with. All of those things drive use. That in combination with the fact that this is a device that they can use um, innocuously sometimes within a classroom or within an environment where you would previously never have a teenager smoking. And if they did, you'd know about it straight away. you smell it and you'd see it. Um, happening, and so in this case, you can't see it happening. That often, um, you know, blowing if there is a vapor that that comes out afterwards, they blow it down into you know the arm of a jumper or something like that, or a hoodie, so that they can't be seen um, doing the behavior, and so they can do it um, in areas where they just wouldn't have smoked before. And that's the other thing. I mean. A lot of young people don't know that if you can't smoke in a place, that actually means in New South Wales specifically that you can't vape there. Um, Mm. The difference is, I suppose, that a lot of them are doing it and haven't been seen by a member of the public or by somebody who's enforcing those rules and so therefore haven't been pulled up for that behaviour.
1: So you mentioned that vapes are made for um, young people and why do you think that is?
2: I think that uh, we definitely have a generation now of young people that were smoking at the lowest rates that we'd ever seen in decades. Um, And so I think that realistically, um, industries in general knew that this was a market that they were no longer um, hooking a generation into. And so this is a device that now it is perfectly aligned to hook a younger generation of nicotine users. And we know that if a young person that hasn't smoked uses a nicotine e-cigarette, that they are three times as likely to then go on to smoke. So, of course, it's going to help that industry later on um, in life if they are seeing higher rates of smoking. And we've just started to see um, out of Australian data that we've had the first rises in tobacco use amongst that young demographic in decades. And so this is really concerning.
1: Very interesting. Um, I think that most people are aware that cigarettes are addictive. However, do you think that um, as much people are knowledgeable about how addictive vaping is?
2: I don't think they are. I think young people in particular um, probably have a lower awareness of addiction and what addiction means um, as a young person, that it can be a very different um, environment. But we know that nicotine, the nicotine levels that we're seeing in some of those devices that have been tested are really quite high. And so you combine that with the fact that nicotine is a scheduled poison in Australia with addictive um, properties and you the product design on top of it, all that is sort of a recipe for long-term addiction,
1: Um, What social factors do you think influence vape use?
2: Um, I think there's a number of factors. It's interesting with smoking, we know that there's certain demographics that have higher rates of smoking. So, for example, if someone lived in a lower socioeconomic area, if their parents smoked, etc., then we um, would see that influence on their own smoking behaviours. And so, therefore, the people that are smoking now, um, we know that they tend to be lower socioeconomic status. They tend to live um, you know, in areas that are regional, r- rural or remote. Um, you know, they can have a mental health diagnosis. When it comes to vaping, we're just not seeing that same level of um, incidence in terms of the risk factors that we may have seen in smokers. And so, um, it's sort of ubiquitous in use, whether young people live in metro areas, whether they live in regional areas, whether they're high SES or SES, it doesn't really matter. And I think that's because the social factors of, if they are around other young people and that they are doing it, then their access can be a little bit easier. And the fact that access is just so easy for them at the moment. So if, you know, if they say that it's really easy to get their hands on a device whether by going into a shop that's also selling, you know, quite often these shops have lollies and cans of Coke and things like that and are near those areas where young people frequent, then it's super easy to get access to these products and that sends a signal to young people around, these products can't be that dangerous because otherwise I wouldn't be able to access it so easily.
1: So you mentioned how um, it is possible for these young people to discreetly smoke in school, you know, um, blow it into the arm and teachers would not be so um, aware that it's happening. Um, what kind of behavioural issues are linked with vaping in school?
2: Yeah, we're seeing quite a few at the moment coming back around um, school sort of behaviour. So in the teachers that we have surveyed, um, over half of teachers that we surveyed were aware of the sale of vaping products in their school in the first place Um, and and the vast majority, it was over the 80% mark of teachers are concerned or very very concerned about vaping at school because it takes them away from the classroom so obviously um, young people can be going through a withdrawal, they might leave the classroom to use a vape if they do think that the teachers are sort of um, watching them more closely in that environment, um, which means that they are disrupting lesson time. It um, also can lead to... Um, antisocial behaviour in terms of um, we do know that there's with those that are selling between friends or not between friends at some stages and the use of so-called dealers in that environment as well um, that are young people you know that can lead to antisocial behaviour um, young people that have come back into the school environment after having quite a few years of disruption with COVID etc., going on and so I think there's that plus and behavioural issues that come with vaping and an addictive addiction in any any type of addiction, I think is creating this sort of perfect storm for teachers to have to deal with yet another thing in the classroom that quite frankly shouldn't be the focus of teachers. We shouldn't have to see teachers being the police of this sort of behaviour and um, in the classroom, there is more important things that our teachers need to be focused on for young people.
1: Mm, Definitely. Do schools adequately teach about the harms of vaping?
2: So we're seeing in New South Wales, there's been some fantastic curriculum um, support developed up for um, PDHPE sort of um, area of schools. And that um, looks at, you know, really enabling students with critical um Ability to question and um, critique why they're doing the behaviour, where they're getting that information from, you know, um, who's behind the products that they're using. I think that's really important. To That's a really important skill set to teach young people um, because that can be used, whether it's across vaping or about any other risk behaviour um, in the future that they also may come um, in contact with, Given them that skill set around how to say no to something, what and to question what and why they will do that behaviour. And I'm sure that there'll be more curriculum to come. It's really important we don't just see um, this as a job for teachers to do in the school environment. You know, parents can have conversations with their kids in the home as well. But more importantly, um, these, you know, the raft of things that have been announced by the federal government around trying to diminish how – much of this product can actually get across and into our borders. And then the role of our you know, state um, and territory sort of enforcement and compliance officers in making sure that those products are actually for sale for young people, that sends a really strong clear, and clear message to young people that these are a product that they shouldn't be using. Um, so I think all of those things working together probably will give us the best fighting chance we have of making sure that this generation doesn't have long-term health effects as a result of um, this growing problem.
1: You mentioned the role of parents in influencing their children to stop vaping. Do you think parents are aware that their children are vaping or how are some ways that parents can um, become aware
2: yeah, so I think that the best thing for parents to do is to just have conversations, easy conversations with their kids around that. So, you know, occasionally something will come out probably in their school newsletter to them or even, you know, if they're, you know, going down the street and walking with their child or driving with their child through a main street of town and they see someone vaping, um, asking the question around, oh, look at that. and And having a conversation around that, I think parents need to make sure that they understand what these devices are. These devices were not around for a lot of um, these parents, teenagers themselves. So it's hard to speak about those products for that reason. Sometimes for parents, they probably feel or can feel a little bit overwhelmed. So I'd urge parents to have a little bit of a uh, look around on evidence-based credible websites um, around the information for vaping so that, that can, you know, and there's lots of information for parents available and New South Wales Health has some great back um, sheets and, you know, easy to understand information as well and it has even the pictures of what they look like. And sometimes it's, you know, it can look like a highlighter or a pen or something like that and they just wouldn't even think twice about it. But I think, Parents are very intuitive for their children and so especially if they're saying to be an addiction with dates, they probably will have noticed changes in behaviour, moodiness. You know, that's hard when teenagers are moody and can be moody already, but I think there's um, other sort of behavioural changes at home when they're, you know, trying to sneak off or don't want to be around parents at certain times of the day or, um, you know, a tri- especially more me um, than they used to as well. Those is going to be indicators for parents to so have just easygoing conversations. And then, um, you know, sometimes it's about saying, well, can we look at this information together um, and weigh that information up around the behaviour and what impact that can have on you um, as a young person. Because parents, they ultimately want the best for their kids. And so if they can show them that actually this is a new thing for them as well and not come across as um, – judgmental or trying to support them in the decision to then um, stop that behaviour and that would be really most beneficial for, for young people and for the parents themselves.
1: Um, so specifically, what health implications does vaping have on young people?
2: Well, there's quite a few um, health implications that we already um, know about. So we know that, for example, that um, e-cigarettes are linked to, you know, short-term, Harms. Um, so, you know, recently there was a study done by the Australian National University that showed that, um, you know, there's a series of short term harms that we know exactly, you know, that, that there is, or, and that was part of the um, research that showed that there was gag- effect or that, that um, a non smoker was linked to three times as likely being going on to smoke. Um, addiction that we've spoken about um, both intentional and unintentional poisoning and so that can um, look like a variety of things in terms of um, nausea head spins and things like that acute nicotine toxicity which can look um, can present itself as what some people might think are seizures but they're not seizures in sort of the traditional sense but they can be you know a young person collapsing etc and that's because of whether um, it's Overload of um, the nicotine, and as I said before, a lot of these devices have high, quite high concentrations of nicotine as well. Um, of course, there's also things like um, burns and injuries from um, devices themselves exploding or um, not heating correctly, etc. Um, there have been a number of cases of that. There's lung injury, so um, young people are more likely to show up with um, signs of chronic. Um, bronchial um, issues, etc. And then there's the piece that's um, recently come out, which is around that use um, of an e-cigarette when you're a non-smoker is three times likely um, to make you go on to smoke. And so I think this is something that is a great concern because these teenagers wouldn't have been smoking. We had some lowest rates of smoking and so they know the harms of smoking. And so Young people, I think, as well, often don't realise at the beginning there is nicotine in them because they're often mislabeled and, you know, can't. I don't think anybody would believe that they need to trust what is in some of these devices. Um, and so we are seeing, you know, higher rates of calls through to, places like the New South Wales Poisons and Information Centre, for example. And we've seen them being cases of, unfortunately, children and toddlers um, in our country passing away from um, being poisoned by liquid nicotine. So it is really important that young people understand what is in these devices and that they are not safe, um, both at a short-term and possibly at a long-term time period.
1: Mm. So um, how can teenagers identify and protect themselves about um, misinformation about um, vaping
2: to look at um, information that is coming from a credible source so look at information that's coming from a government source or from a leading health um, um, source rather than from a source that may have uh ties um, commercially to these products because we all know that if it's being commercially driven that there is a case that um, the benefits may be misrepresented compared to the um, other sort of areas that they need to consider when using products like this. The other thing um, to think about is that your lungs and the way that our body was developed and they've all been, I think, you know, if you've lived in Australia, um, especially in New South Wales in the last sort of five years, we've all seen the devastating impact of bushfires and how much that can impact our lung health um, through not breathing clean, quality air and so that's what they have to try and remember is that that's what our lungs are there for, to make sure that they are giving their bodies the best possible chance for growth and development um, and that I wouldn't think that young people need to be tied down or um, attached or addicted to a product in the first place. There is lots of other fun and exciting things that they could be definitely spending their money on um, that don't involve putting their health um, at harm or at risk.
1: Do non-nicotine vapes still pose health risks?
2: Yeah, definitely. And so a lot of the same things still exist across those non-nicotine vapes because they're still a battery-powered device and still the risk of burns and things like that. Um, But on top of that, there's things like um, that we have to consider, which is a lot of these devices are made in the same places that a nicotine device is made. And so a lot of the chemical structures are the same, the chemical makeup is the same. There can still be evidence of nicotine, even if it's lower concentrations as well. So a lot of those health um, harms still come through. And as I said, um, the best thing for our lungs is clean and healthy air. It's not smoke or definitely not tobacco smoke and it's not um, using a non-nicotine vape or a nicotine vape. The best thing for young people is to, to just um, make sure that they are inhaling good clean quality air um, yeah. in the first place.
1: Um, do you think there's adequate research about the effects of vaping?
2: I think that it is a new uh, area, um, and so there is limited research. There are more and more pieces of evidence coming out. I think that the difficulty is that um, Australia tends to lead the way when it comes to things like tobacco control, and so um, e-cigarettes are a new frontier in that regard. But in actual fact, um, the health evidence and the health um, sort of community has been saying the same thing for quite a while now that these are a product that should only be used as a cessation aid and that means that only for people that are wanting to quit smoking and that have tried every other way to quit smoking because actually some of the evidence even the e-cigarettes to be used as a cessation device um, is inconclusive. It's not banning those products either. I think that's a really important thing to flag. There will still be access for those people that are using the product as a cessation device. They can work with a doctor who is the best person to give them health advice not a corner store selling you um a vaping device the best person for you to get health advice from um is that your trusted medical professional which is someone who has a degree and who can actually sit down and weigh up the benefits and monitor you over time as well and so i think that's the best thing for um research in terms of to focus on at the moment is well how do these changes then um what do we see from them in society and will use change over time and what are young people's perceptions and behaviours and what is their knowledge around these products because I think that is something that we really do need to have a really good firm hand on. So if there's any um, discrepancies or misinformation that's out there that the right people can uh, start to fill those gaps of information rather than them finding that information online um, through uncredible or, um Sources that may have a commercial interest um, at heart.
1: Do you think that current legislation is sufficient in reducing vape use?
2: I think that our, um, I think you know we're really lucky in New South Wales that where you can't smoke, you can't vape. I think um, more probably needs to be done around um, people understanding that that's the case. I think that the new legislation um, or the announcements that we have seen from the federal government in regard to making sure that they're only available through prescription model and that the borders and the import of any other device um, going to any other um, location. And the loophole around non-nicotine, you know, young people can't, you can't sort of distinguish between non-nicotine and nicotine products. And telling a company that they need to put the correct label on it, is also not going to change things, quite frankly, because things will still be really easy to get through um, the borders. And so this non-nicotine, capturing the non-nicotine market um, up with the nicotine market, makes sure that we can have a really strong, firm hold on what is actually coming into our country and making sure that it only goes through those um, trusted professionals in terms of our pharmacies. And so I think that will help us, but um, I'm looking forward to seeing the legislation when it is announced.
1: That's all for today. Thank you so much for joining us.
2: No worries at all. Lovely to be on. And if there's anything else that you ever want to talk about, whether it's e-cigarettes or um, smoking related um, cancer, etc., then please, I'm always happy to talk.
1: All right. Will do. See you, Alicia.
2: Thank you.
0: Did you know that a single shisha session typically lasting 45 minutes to one hour is equivalent to smoking a staggering 100 cigarettes?
1: Did you also know that a single pod of certain popular e-cigarette brands can contain as much nicotine as an entire packet of traditional cigarettes?
0: Let that reality sink in as we liberate ourselves from the engulfing cloud of smoke.
1: Brace yourself for the Shisha no thanks on air to MFM media campaign proudly supported by the Cancer Institute of New South Wales.
0: In this groundbreaking series we present 5 captivating episodes aiming to raise awareness about the potential dangers of Shisha smoking and promote healthier choices among culturally diverse communities in New South Wales.
1: Our interviews feature an exceptional lineup of experts, including dentists, professors, lecturers, and industry professionals.
0: They'll enlighten us on critical topics like the potential impact of shisha and vaping on youth, pregnant women, and oral health.
1: So, together, let's clear the air and pave the way for a healthier generation with 2MFM's Shisha No Thanks radio series commencing on the 26th to the 30th of June at quarter past three.